So on another edition of Downforce Meets, I'm pleased to have with me Jeremy Walton, who is a very, very uh, multi-accomplished, uh, award-winning author of over th- more than 30 motoring books and one racing-themed novel. But we're, we're here, Jeremy, to talk about a really, really lovely story, the race and rally story of Quattro from 1980 until 2004, now available via Evro Publishing. Jeremy, first of all, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to have a chat with us. Um, what was the genesis originally to get the book started? Because Audi have been known synonymously with Quattro, which is Italian for the word four, um, for its four-wheel drive system of, of both its, uh, in, in terms of its rallying and also racing with regards to like Super Tourenwagen, uh, BTCC, amongst other categories. I think that the genesis was a, was a big change for me, um, I had been known for some works with the um, Ford Capri, mm-hmm. and um, it was showing its age by 1979-1980, and I'd heard rumours that Audi were developing this four-wheel drive car that would be used in competition as mm-hmm. well. And um, through my contacts, I worked at that time for Motoring News, which is a big rally newspaper, now Motorsport News, mm-hmm. and um, the editor... Uh, sent me down to do some of the early testing um, with Hannu Mikola mm-hmm. of the Quattro. Now, I just played the part of a parcel, a big fat bit of baggage in there, but I had known Hannu Mikola in the Ford days, and the transition from rear-wheel drive sliding everywhere to the Quattro was literally mind-altering. It made a huge impact on your spine for another two days afterwards. I mean, especially when they were competing against Lancia uh, in the uh, in, in their uh, very very prolific car, where the, the the approach from Audi as as opposed to Lancia was very very different. You know, it was um, utterly. It was com- you know where you actually had a team boss from uh, from Ingolstadt that would get his hands dirty, would actually muck in with everybody, and it was a case of a a real camaraderie, especially when the original. Uh, competition car made its uh, debut in on, on the Janarani uh, rally in, uh, in 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 Austria, and it was based largely on the body shell of the the road going models, as opposed to the Quattro UR that literally uh, that came out as a limited production model on, on the road. But um, the biggest sort of real side of things was that the the development of the A1 and the A2 evolutions of the Quattro going into Group B raising the power from 300 brake horsepower to 350. And then that brought on a, a spate of results with the A1 debuting in, in the WRC in 83 at Monte Carlo, uh, with, with Hanu actually winning. Uh, and then that the A2 Evolution won a, a total of uh, eight world rallies uh, through 83 and 84. Um, that was just a, show, a showcase of what was to come from Ingolstadt, wasn't it? It was, uh, particularly, of course, the abbreviated version, which got even more radical uh, than than the original Quattro road car. I think the thing to remember about Audi Quattro in rallying was that Audi was still working with an adapted road car, whereas the opposition were all working with purpose-built vehicles for competition. Lancia's approach was flyweight and extremely rapid, much the best for sort of tarmac, um, they used all sorts of things, including supercharging and turbocharging. Audi were fairly faithful to their roots, mm. but when it came to the Sport Quattro, with the wheelbase chopped so that it was about the same as a Austin Metro, 
um, that was about as radical as they went in public. They did develop another vehicle, which we didn't see, which was more like a, an RS200 Ford in, in looks, mm -hmm. if not in appeal. But um, the thing with for Audi really was that they wanted the link between road cars that they could sell in the showroom and competition glory. And that applied when they went on to go racing. They had a problem with sales in America, so therefore they went racing in America and used tarmac services and so on to prove that the Quattro system was just as effective in that domain. Yeah, because uh, obviously the short wheelbase uh, S1 and then they had the E2 edition. Obviously there were three uh, wins at Pikes Peak in success, three successive years. First for Michel Mouton, Bobby Unser in 86, and then uh, the iconic Walter Hall in, in 87, which really showcased uh, the case of the S1 E2. Um, but then you then look at, obviously, when you, you mentioned about the, the problems that Audi had, especially with the Audi 5000, there was a massive yeah. recall uh, on the road cars. But then they decided in 88 with both uh, Hans-Joachim Stuck and uh, Hurley Haywood to go into Trans Am with a 200 Quattro, a car that I've seen with my very own eyes. Uh, you know, uh, a car that is absolutely a behemoth. You know, it was... Um, it was for the uh, the SCCAA Trans Am series, um, five hundred and fifty brake horsepower, naught to sixty miles per hour in three point seven seconds, and over a hundred three hundred kph top speed. Uh, and in eighty eight, you know, you had the like you had, uh, say for instance, Hurley Haywood took the win in Dallas in, in May. Um, you had other people in there like uh, Joachim Stucki uh, took wins in in Cleveland. Um, Brainerd, Meadowlands, um, Mid-Ohio, but the consistency of Hurley, who, who took wins at both uh, Dallas and Detroit, really showcased how competitive the 200 Quattro was, and it really signaled the return of Audi's sales network in the United States, uh, as they say, race on Sunday, sell on Monday, back in those days. That, that is true, and it's very much uh, the American way, and it still continues to be in NASCAR. But one thing I should point about the 200 was that it's an extremely unlikely competition car, and that it had covered itself in glory a little earlier by appearing in a safari rally under completely unsuitable regulations for Audi. The car was big and heavy, only had a small turbo engine in it. Um, and yet it managed to finish 1-2 on the Safari Rally, the toughest of them all. So there was a little bit of preview there. And then um, they were able to adapt that same rough-and-tough rally competitor into an SCCA car. And they did feel afterwards that um, when they'd done that SCCA series and Hans Stuck had won so many, um, that they should seek more professional opposition. And thus the IMSA 1989 car, possibly one of the most powerful racing saloons that has ever, ever been constructed. And obviously, speaking of saloon cars, um, STW, BTCC, uh, you know, the super touring era, which uh, was for 11 years, obviously, Frank Beeler's 1996 title winning campaign in the Audi A4 Quattro. Uh, that season, which then saw the team uh, being hit with a 95 kilo weight penalty for 97. Uh, and then um, one of the biggest things, you know, it had um, by the time that that car was retired in, in 1999, it had 15 uh, drivers championships globally. Um, you know, it took seven alone in 96 with Australia, Belgium, Germany, uh, the UK, obviously, with the BTCC, uh, Italy, Spain and South Africa. 
Um, it was quite a, uh, a leviathan, the A4 Quattro, um, in its it own right, an STW. Yeah. I think it surprised even its creators. They had had a preview with the Audi 80, which they uh, gradually developed. Um, but, of course, the A4 was a much better shape. It was what uh, their sales future would be. And it was the first Audi to really, really strongly compete with BMW's 3 Series mm-hmm. and also the equivalent Mercedes C-Class. So this is probably where the transition came, that Audi became a permanent fixture in the premium sort of luxury sector. So the motorsport wasn't just massaging an ego, even if it was one as big as Ferdinand PX. What it did was genuinely provide a commercial edge for a division of Audi, uh, for a division of Volkswagen that made sure that good figures, good black figures were pouring in, even if there was trouble with the parent company. <laughs> Yeah, very true, because I remember, uh, what was it, the uh, John Wickham, who was actually leading the Audi uh, Sport UK division yeah. at the BTCC in 97, actually went to Alan Gow to contest the weight penalty, um, yeah. which um, what they had done is that they'd actually given the, um, because the front-wheel drive cars uh, were 975 kilos, and Audi were hit with a 95-kilo penalty, which was dropped to 65, and then it ended up being that they scored five wins in the last five rounds, uh, with yeah. Frank Beeler actually uh, getting close to Alain Menu's Renault Laguna that season. Uh, but then there was a big change around. Obviously, all-wheel drive was banned in the BTCC in, in 98, and that completely showed how much of a, a fastidious well, part Quattro was it- of it. The all-wheel drive ban extended internationally, mm. so you couldn't compete in an international motorsport, um, for instance, Formula One, World Sports Cars, or any sort of touring car with an FIA sanction with four-wheel drive. Now, actually, the A4 did go on winning in national championships like Sweden, and oddly enough, in Germany, mm-hmm. right long after the faction really lost interest in it. But um, uh, Christian Abt won the series against huge General Motors Opel opposition in a very controversial last round, which was just crash and bash the whole way, which is why I asked you when you started watching DTM, because (laughs) if we think BTCC is spectacular, DTM on home ground with manufacturers fighting for sales is a grudge match beyond all. Yes, I still remember when they used to have the Opel Astra Gullwings with the likes of Timo Scheider piloting those things, then you had... Um, you had people such as Heinz Harald Frensen running in the Opel Vectras when they were running the V8s with the massive diffusers and and all that kind of stuff. And I still remember, you know, Apt Schwarzlein being very much an independent. It was not, it was not an Audi supported project. It was actually Hans Jürgen and Christian actually going into battle with the main manufacturers. And then, in you know, a couple of years later. Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich, you know, a man that we all know is synonymous with Audi Sport uh, through any activity that has happened during his uh, lengthy tenure. And we do thank him for, for what he's done for bringing Audi to the masses in motorsport. But that was truly brutal. You know, the the accidents weren't just accidents. It was like proper crash bang wallop. And people think that the BTCC was is, is bad enough now. They should have seen the DTM in the late 90s, early 2000s. Absolutely. Big money, big factories, and big commerce. It's a dynamite package. Um, but obviously, in the, in the latter stages, obviously, from, from what the book covers here, Jeremy, 
um, that Audi ended up uh, teaming up with Champion Racing in the S4 competition for the uh, Sports Car Club of America, the Speed Vision World Challenge for this GT class. Um, and for the first season, they had touring, reigning touring car champion Michael Galati and, of course, the legend that is Mr. Derek Bell. Um <sighs> that uh, in his own right decided to uh, go over there and uh, Derek finished ninth in the opening round in Charlotte but then uh, Michael would then take second in the championship winning at Las Vegas and, and, and other podiums and, and that sort of uh, and that was through the, the S4 and the RS6 variants of the, the, the Quattro derived uh, road cars that would end up being on there and uh, I was privileged to go to Virginia International Raceway and drive the car with the aforesaid Mr Derek Bell who was a great ambassador for a British motorsport, as is his son as well. Um, and I would just add that uh, Derek didn't just drive the cars, he often commentated from the car as, as he was doing it. So hats off to Derek over that. <laughs> I, I think he's he's doing, he did what uh, Peter Brock used to do in uh, uh, supercars, the late, uh, the good old Brocky. Yes, we are indeed. Well, we had. Uh, Dick Johnson. Yes. Dick Johnson was even, even better. Unbelievable. Well, I think we've got a bit of heat up here as flames envelop the cabin. I think we've got the boost turned up high enough. Yes, it's definitely the volume's been cranked to the, in the words of Spinal Tap up to the volume number 11 there, Jeremy. But um, So for those wondering, I mean, Jeremy, uh, firstly, I have to commend you on a, on a really, really lovely book. It, it tells a wonderful tale. Um, so for those wondering, you can go to Evero Publishing. It's available now. £50, it's a hardback, it's uh, 304 pages with over 334 photos of everything about the race and rally story of Quattro. Jeremy, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Downforce Meets with Jeremy Walton. Presented by Alex Goldschmidt. Produced by Florian Schmeis. This has been a high-speed Autobahn production for Downforce Racing. Above all, thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Downforce Meets.